Welcome uh, to episode uh, 238 of the Ben Briggs podcast. I am Ben Briggs. It is uh, it is Saturday, people. Uh, Saturday the 14th, 14th, fucking 14th of August, 2000, 2021. You know the year. You know it by now, surely. Um, it is uh, Reminiscence Day here at Briggs Towers, people. Um, we are still here at Briggs Towers. Um, I know the move is dragging on. Um, I keep saying this every episode. Uh, well, most episodes anyway. Uh, but it is, uh, yeah, fuck me. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't even want, hey man, I don't even want to talk. I've become one of those people now. I don't even want to talk about it. It's like, but then you want them to talk about it more, don't you? When somebody says that to you. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Go on, talk about it. Tell me what's going on. Feed my feed my thirst for gossip. Uh yeah, so um uh yeah, so that's still an ongoing thing. But however, we are on uh we are on the coffee this morning, one of them mornings, and uh it's a bit of a reminiscence today, as I was about to say. Let's have some coffee first. Hang on. There we go, a little bit of coffee. Um, it is, well, it was on the 11th anyway. But kind of this weekend, um, it is um, uh, 25 years um, since the Oasis uh, Nebworth concerts that they did. They did it on a Saturday and Sunday. Sunday the 11th is the day I went. It's like the biggest, it was like the defining gig within uh within the 90s when oasis were at the um peak of their powers really in 1996 before it started to slide a little bit although the next album they released after that be here now i really really love that album as well um it's possibly no definitely maybe or what's the story uh morning glory brackets but um it's still a good album I enjoy it. I enjoy listening to it, people. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's 25 years since Nebworth. I actually, uh, I was actually lucky enough to go there. Um, basically, I went on the Sunday. This was old school as well, people. We're talking old school 90s. I know people look back at the 90s now um, and think... Um, it was, you know, the young kids these days think it was, you know, you're still stringing up people in the street and everybody had their own, uh, you know, every different race in the nation had their uh, their own uh, drinking fountains. But it, um, they seem to, you know, slag off the 90s a little bit for being an unenlightened era. However, um to us who were quite young at that age it was you know we weren't going around like you know abusing people because of the color of their skin or anything like that you know although obviously those things those things still happen these days but hopefully uh more in the minority but um this was uh a pre a pre-internet age really i know people are gonna say hey man the internet was around then it wasn't really for like most people. It wasn't like a case of like you just 
look at your phone, there's a fucking app for the uh for Google and you just Google shit. Um there wasn't any of that and no Facebook, no social media. A more innocent time, people. You know what I mean? You'd um uh you'd you'd have to buy magazines like Enemy or Melody Maker. Um and uh I think the tickets went on sale. I didn't get tickets initially, you see. Uh, my story of going to Nebworth is a bit of a Cinderella tale, baby. Um I was quite lucky. Um but uh I I you had to ring up for tickets. I think it was May time. Um I'm uh my my memory's hazy from the nineties anyway, and not for any particular reason. I just have a fucking bad memory about things. Um, but I think it was May time you had to ring up for tickets, and it was a Saturday you had to ring up. And I mean ring up. I don't mean wait in a queue on the internet hoping that the website doesn't crash. This was like ringing a number. Um, so you'd hope that you'd get through and it wasn't engaged. Um, and I think something like 2% of the population applied for tickets. Um so, uh, and over the weekend, the Oasis played for like two and 250,000 people. So it's like 125,000 a night. Um, but I didn't ring up for that. I was, I think I was at work or something. Um, I would have been 19. So I'd have probably been working at Tesco's, um, at that point while I was, uh, while I was still at college retaking A levels. I think I was doing at that point. Um, after fucking them up at school. <laughs> so I had to work. I used to work Saturdays and Sundays at the local supermarket while I was there. And I'd work um, five to eight at night as well when the when the local supermarket at Tesco's, well, I say local supermarket, it was the nearest one to me, Western Fable. I used to um, live in a little village, sort of like... Um, on the on the uh in north northampton sort of like molten so it was like uh i think i was cycling as well i'm sure i was cycling to work at that point i didn't have a car at that point for some reason i don't know why um anyway um i uh yeah i missed out on that but my brother got tickets my brother got i think my brother's girlfriend at the time now wife had um had managed to get two tickets, so her and my brother were going. And um, on the night of the Saturday night, so Oasis played the Saturday and the Sunday. On the Saturday night, I'd been out to a um, to a club or something. Like you know, I was that kind of a guy, guys. You know what I mean? I'd uh, been out, just come home, just hanging up my white Travolta suit. <laughs> and um uh just about to get in bed and i think it was like about midnight or something um and um i uh i was just about to get into bed my brother came in and knocked on my door i think he was back from uni yeah it would have been august wouldn't it so he would have been back from uni at that point and knocked on my door and and just said um I got two tickets to Oasis tomorrow. I'm I'm not going. Me and me and uh, uh, Sarah have had an argument. And uh, do you want these two tickets for Oasis? At which point, I leapt at the opportunity. Obviously, 
and um, uh, immediately landline called. This was pre-mobile people. This was like one step away from um, uh, throwing up a carrier pigeon in the air and hoping it uh, got to uh, one of my mates, my mate Meng. Um, At that point, I I say mate, he was at that point. I (laughs) I haven't done i haven't even contacted him for years i haven't seen him in years um uh i remember going on holiday with him as well and and getting a tattoo not matching uh obviously that would be weird wouldn't it um but um yeah isn't that weird how uh you can have like a massive experience with somebody and then just never see him again for the rest of your life <laughs> isn't it I wonder if he's doing a podcast somewhere going 25 years ago, my mate Ben. Well, I say my mate Ben. I haven't seen him in years. Um, but we used to... Actually, I must have been working at Mark Suspenses at that point because that's where I met him. Um, yeah, not Tesco's, Mark Suspenses. I've done all the casual supermarket jobs, people, over the years while I've been at college. Um, yeah, so I... Um, uh, I rang him on his landline, and um, his uh, he he was like his parents were Chinese, and he was Chinese, and um, he I remember his mum answering the phone and just going a bit mental. <laughs> it was fucking midnight. Uh, don't ever ring. That would be my advice. Don't ever ring a Chinese household at midnight on a Saturday night. Because uh, she was, I couldn't really understand what she was saying. Uh, but from the tone, I could just work out. She went an happy chap. Um, not happy at all. So I just, uh, sort of like I said, he's Ming there. And you just hear the abuse you're receiving. I knew I was receiving some sort of abuse verbally. I've never spoken Chinese. Uh, I don't even know what dialect of Chinese it was, but I p- <laughs> you can pick up when somebody is fucked off with you, when you've woke somebody up in another country. That ought to be a thing, shouldn't it? That's how we all learn languages, all learn how to communicate. When we've pushed another nation's buttons, just randomly ring up numbers in other countries at midnight their time. And, uh, oh, right, okay, that's what it's like to be uh, slated in uh, uh, <laughs> Taiwanese. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? Ah, Dutch. That's what, uh, that's what it's like to uh, uh, annoy somebody, what it sounds like when you've annoyed somebody in uh, Holland. Uh, very nice. Very nice. I'll put that, uh, I'll put that in my uh, little scrapbook of things I found out this week. Um yeah, she was really annoyed. Um, so, um, obviously, I, I, this was obviously pre-Google, pre-anything. Um, so I had to um, uh, borrow uh, a, a map to try and get from Northampton to Nebworth and write. You know, we take this for granted these days where you just, uh, 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 just type in the fucking postcode. And you're like, there, aren't you? Your sat-nav just goes, oh, left ear, right ear, down a bit, you know. Oh, 
You've got a speed camera coming up. Do a U-turn, you knobhead. You've not been looking at the sat-nav enough. And <laughs> I, I fucking hate that with the sat-nav. That's the only thing with my new car. I fucking hate the sat-nav. It's just not as clear where you have to go. When you're, when you're coming off at a junction and there's like two different exits, you're guaranteed, you know, even half the time you'd have thought I'd get it right. But I'm guaranteed to get take the wrong exit and then have to do a U-turn or end up, you know, when you're coming around a roundabout and there's about eight different exits off it. Like when you're getting on the motorway, you can guarantee I'm going the wrong way because I have no sense of direction, people. I'm that programmed into being a sheep when I'm driving. I put my full trust into the sat-nav. The other night, I ended up going like 15 miles out of my way because I took one turn in wrong and then you're stuck on the motorway until the next turning off and it was like fucking seven and a half miles away. So you're seven and a half miles there, seven and a half miles back. Bit of coffee there. Anyway. Back to the story. Bit more coffee, sorry. That's done. Yeah, so you had to, in those days, you had to plan your route. So you'd be like, this road, come off at junction, whatever, this road, turn left after two. So I had it all written down. And I think we left about three o'clock in the morning. Um, my mate came round. He was driving. That's probably why. <laughs> That's probably why we're not kept in such. I finally got a car. Didn't need him. <laughs> that good. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not saying I wasn't a piece of shit friend to people over the years, but maybe, maybe I have been. Maybe uh, our friendship purely relied on the fact that he had a car. Hey, I'm not the only one who's ever done that. Come on, search your soul out there, people. You know you've done it too. You hang around with people when you're like 17 or whatever. that You wouldn't normally hang around with, really. But you get friendly with them because I've got a car. I can pick you up, take your places. Oh, dear. Anyway, came around. We left about 3 o'clock in the morning. I remember getting there. I think we got there about 6 or 7. And Nebworth seemed miles away. Um, I think we made a few stops. It's because if you've never really, like now, it doesn't seem that far away because I drive all over the country doing gigs. That's the thing that gigs, gigs gives you that, doing gigs gives you that mentality. Anything over three hours is a bit of a shit. Anything under three hours. If you like, you say to people, oh, "I'm oh, I'm gigging in uh, Manchester or Liverpool or or um down down by Portsmouth tonight or whatever," and uh, they're like, "Fucking hell, you're doing that tonight?" And then coming back, like you're not staying over in a hotel or whatever, and you're like, "No." Anything over three hours starts to get tiring. Anything under that, you can coast the first hour, hour and a half. Just on the adrenaline or the um, uh, adrenaline from the gig or the uh, sheer horror of the death you've just uh, you've just had. 
Oh, after a bad death, you're just driving home, screaming for the first hour and a half. Ah, fuck. Oh, man. Pain. The pain, people. Um... So anyway, like, yeah, we got there about seven in the morning, I think. And um, there was already people there sort of like queuing. You know, you get any event like that, you get the the early campers out. And we were kind of like that. I don't think they open um, the doors until midday, but you could get some breakfast. There was a few stands around and um, there was already a queue getting in for it. And um, when they but we were quite close to the front of the queue and we were parked up somewhere where like we planned it ahead like um, even though we didn't have like a lot of time to plan it and thank god like there was some um, uh friction in my uh brother and his wife now wife's relationship at that point <laughs> all right or i wouldn't have experienced it thank christ um yeah so um uh yeah there was places where you could get uh some food and shit like that and then i remember when they opened the doors um opened the gates to it and started letting everybody in we'd parked sort of like i think we parked in the middle of a housing estate somewhere so all we needed to do was get out of the venue we didn't need to get the car out of the venue um we just needed to walk to the housing estate or or wherever it was nearby hazy memories people um but um, uh, I remember them opening the gates and then just running um, and being, uh, we got into, there was a front pit like that was cordoned off that sort of like was like a VIP bit, I think. And then we got in the second pit right at the front of the second pit where it was like cordoned off um, and spent most of the time sitting around drinking. And because I wasn't driving, because it was the 90s, my mate didn't seem that bothered about having a fucking beer um, and driving back, um, being as we were there all day. I think the actual gig started about two o'clock. Um, and, um, you know, the supporting people, um, I think it, I remember watching Dread Zone um, Let's have a look. Who was on the Sunday? I think cars were on the Sunday as well. This is a long time ago. This is 25 years ago, people. You know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, on the Sunday, we saw the Charlatans, Manic Street Preachers, fucking great. Cooler Shaker. One decent album-ish. Never heard of them again. Cast, obviously, great band. And Dread Zone. Dread Zone opened, I think. Uh, I remember that. And then, uh, obviously... Uh, John Squire from uh, the Stone Roses came on um, for uh, uh, for sort of like a cameo feature. But I just remember sitting there in the afternoon. The day was fucking glorious. I even remember what I was wearing. So it's it's going to be interesting. Like they're releasing like a whole box set of stuff. Um, so they're releasing um, on the Oasis website. They're releasing like the the Saturday and the Sunday gigs that they filmed so they filmed all the crowd and stuff like that so basically I've, I've bought all that shit you can get a deluxe like box set it sounds like i'm flogging it doesn't it uh for about 95 quid i've spent 95 quid just to see if i can see myself on the sunday dvd 
<laughs> that's, that's how vain I am, people. That's how vain I am. To see if I can see myself as a younger person. I could just use a filter. I could just look at old photos, couldn't I? But I know exactly what I was wearing that day as well. Because I've still got a few photos from that day. I was wearing classic 90s uh, yellow Fred Perry uh, polo shirt um, with green piping round the, um, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially the same sort of thing I'd wear these days. <laughs> Nothing has changed. My fashion sense. You know, when you're younger and, uh, hey, what's the fashion like going to be in 2021, man? In 20 years' time, what's the fashion like? And they do, you know, you always draw somebody with, like, a fucking spacesuit on and a helmet and uh, really futuristic things. It's it's the same stuff. I buy the same clothes now as I bought in the 90s. Um, They're, you know, they're just, uh, it's just the stuff in the 90s that I did have. I'm rebuying it now to somehow try and relive my youth. But it just makes me look like an old guy who can't afford modern clothing. <laughs> That's basically it. And it it just makes me look as if I've still got that clothing left over from the 90s. And I just haven't been out that much to wear it. Um... I know, but it was a good day. I remember just like sitting down. I said, and it's amazing at those big events. If you ever go to anywhere like Glastonbury, Reading, any of the big festivals, you're bound to run into somebody you know. Bound to. Who you know vaguely. I ran into like some guy turned round and some guy was there with his missus who I, who I used to play uh, Sunday football with. Random. Um, just sitting literally directly behind us. And it's always weird because you're like, is that that? Because they're out of the context where you um, where you know them. Uh, but the gig was fucking amazing. Uh, I just remember it being, like, fucking great. I, I remember um, uh, a, an awful lot of piss being thrown about. <laughs> because you're that rammed in. Nobody wants to lose their place like in the afternoon when you're sitting there and that it's quite relaxed you see there's sort of like a picnicky atmosphere when you get there early to any sort of like gig everybody's sitting down on the grass everybody's got their little space but you've got like one eye on somebody else are they starting to are they starting to go forward to the barrier yeah do you think we ought to start going forward to the barrier we want a good view that's what we want um and uh yeah, I remember just somebody like about 10 people away from me just got a full pint. Like it was plastic pint glasses uh, in the face uh, with, full of piss where everybody just goes for a piss and then just throws it behind them. <laughs> or throws it to the side. There was loads of food being thrown about everywhere at one point. Somebody got a fucking burger in the face. That's someone's abiding memory, by the way, of one of the best gigs of the 90s. That is somebody's abiding memory of having a pint full of piss.
piss thrown at them. <laughs> Somebody is looking at this. Going 25 years ago, I had a pint full of piss thrown at my face. <laughs> or a burger slapped in my fucking eye socket. Fucking brilliant. It was a great day. And I, I just remember it ending and then it pissed it down. Um, I got a... Uh, I got a, I think I got a poster and um, a T-shirt, um, which I've re-bought, by the way. Um, I've still also got my ticket. I've still got my ticket stub from um, from the day and the uh, um, and the uh, wristband from going in pit two as well. I've still got that, um, which I might have to put in some sort of frame or display or. Or just, you know, I don't know why I've kept those. I never know why anybody keeps anything like that, really. You know, um, I know I know it's to reminisce about it, but it's more to prove that you were there. And just to just to show if anybody goes, oh, that's bullshit. You were never fucking there. And then you can get that out. And then they just go, oh, all right, then. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? I don't know why people keep ticket stubs to anything just to surely the experience maybe it's more relevant than ever now i think it was one of the last big gigs nebworth it was the big gig of the 90s but it was before everything really kicked in like the internet um mobile phones you know you see you see people at concerts now with mobile phones and they're fucking filming it and i don't understand you're there you know it's the ultimate experience to try and be in the moment isn't it to go to a concert or go to a live comedy show or go to anything that's live it's the ultimate being in the moment watching what happens and people are standing there filming it with their fucking phones i don't know who's gonna want to see that and it seems to be like the last sort of like era, the 90s is the last sort of era before all of that kicked in. And now you go anywhere and you're being, you know, everything's being filmed in it. You know, somebody has an argument in the street and you guarantee 10 people, you know, turn up with their phones, egging you on, bear baiting for a fight just so they can, you know, share it on their social media. <laughs> in it. Hey, hey, go fuck yourself, man. Oh, my God. The next minute. Ten people there all lined up with their cameras. Come on. We want to see somebody get stabbed. This will get me a few likes on Facebook. Um. Anyway, it was it was easily it's easily the um, best best concert uh, I've ever been to. And um, it was my favorite my favorite band um in the biggest gig they've ever played the atmosphere was just fucking amazing i didn't see any trouble no wankers with phones obviously piss being thrown about isn't great but it's gonna happen there's no way out no you're not gonna lose your place oh uh, yeah what you're gonna do is you're gonna buy five beers you're gonna drink them all and then keep the containers aren't you and just I imagine it's a lot more difficult for women at gigs like that. 
Whereas guys, you know, you can just whack it out, can't you? Throw it behind you. <laughs> yeah, helping to keep people cool. It just seems like a, I don't know, it just seemed like a, like a great day. You know, I've seen other bands and stuff. And the last person I went to see was um, me and Hannah went to see. Um, oh, what's his name? The fucking guy that died. Tom Petty. Uh, we went to see him down at uh, Hyde Park, I think it was, a couple of years ago. Well, three or four years ago or whatever. And that was all right, you know. But um, there's nothing like seeing like it was all right. She wanted to go. So I go. That's what you do, isn't it? But there's nothing like seeing your favourite band. I saw the Manic Street Preachers as well. Um, not not only in Nebworth, but I went um, years and years ago um, when I was about twenty to see the Manic Street Preachers. I think, and um, but it was like it was in Birmingham, and it was a seated arena, and it it just didn't have that. There's something nice about a festival vibe where you can just wander around and, you know, get some... Uh, there's queues everywhere, obviously. The toilets are awful. But when it's a glorious day and you're sitting outside listening to some good music, the expectancy of um, your favourite band coming on, it was just a fucking great day. And, like, why the fuck my brother gave me those tickets, I will never know. Um... But it was a fucking good day, I tell you. And I bought, as I say, I've just bought like the deluxe box thing. Um, I think you get tapes in there, CDs, fucking um, and vinyl, and then you know, like all the all the usual stuff and that sort of thing. But um, uh, it'll be nice to see if I can actually see myself. That's all I'm going to be doing, looking for myself on the Sunday gig, and then I, all I do is go, oh yeah, there I am, look, or yeah, that. That's a fucking waste of 95 quid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Maybe I wasn't there after all. Mate, it'll show me and I'm further back than I thought. Uh, I don't know. I just remember it pissing it down on the way home. Fucking poster was fucking ruined. Uh, I was fucking soaked, but I didn't really... Hey, man, I didn't really give a shit because I was young. Looking forward to life. Who'd have, not, who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it? Um, anyway, that is half an hour, people. Holy fucking shit. And we've talked about just that. Isn't it? Just one thing we've talked about this episode. Anyway, uh, that was episode 238 of the Ben Briggs podcast. If you want to contact me at all or reminisce, uh, it is just uh, podcast at benbriggs.co.uk. I will be back on Tuesday, motherfuckers. Um, have a good rest of your weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Listen to a bit of music that you like. Gives you that fucking fire in your belly to do things, doesn't it? And reminisce a little bit from your past. All right. Have a good rest of your weekend. You take care.